Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Thanks, as always, for hopefully subscribing to this podcast. Hopefully you're not just a a fly-by-night kind of podcast person. But if you are, welcome, and hopefully you'll enjoy this one and subscribe and spread the good word. Uh, This week's podcast is with the amazing actor Andy Serkis. Um, I adore Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, As I tape this, um, the movie is tearing up the box office, and rightfully so. It's not just a big summer blockbuster entertainment, but it's actually a really thoughtful, well-made, smart film, which is so refreshing in the summer movie season. Uh, The film is really anchored by Andy's performance as Caesar. Um, As you probably know if you're listening to this, Andy is at the forefront of what we call performance capture, obviously uh, well-known for his performance as Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies and King Kong, and he was in Tintin, in addition to many great live-action performances as well. But Andy uh, has truly made a name for himself in the last 15 years thanks to these um, transcendent kind of performances that... Um, are really uh, redefining this new uh, art form, this new way of acting. Uh, I hope he gets awards consideration for this one. I know we're only about halfway through the year, and it is a sci-fi film, so it's not the typical kind of awards thing, but it would be really cool to see the first performance capture uh, nomination go to someone like Andy Serkis, who's meant so much to the medium. Uh, He's a great interview. He's a fascinating guy, super smart guy. So thrilled to have him on the show. Uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed conducting it. Uh, As always, guys, hit me up on Twitter, at Joshua Horowitz. I also want to say, let's try this out. Uh, send me a tweet with the hashtag happy, sad, confused, and I promise you I will respond. I will retweet it, I'll favorite it, or I will respond. I'll acknowledge it in some way. I really want to start uh, to have a dialogue with you guys and uh, know what you're thinking about the podcast. So simply tweet with the hashtag happy, sad, confused. I'll search for that uh, hashtag, and I uh, give you my solemn oath. I will uh, interact with you in some way uh, for what it's worth. But um In the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and as always, uh, check out what we're doing on MTV.com, covering the latest and greatest in movies and music. Uh, But without any further ado, let's get right to it. Here he is, Mr. Andy Circus. When are you out of, uh, when are you leaving New York? I think I leave leave, uh, in a few, uh, like a literally few hours, yeah, like two or three hours. Oh my god, and so next week is Europe? Next week is Europe. Where are you heading? Uh, we are going, where are we going? We're, we start off in London, so we've got the London press jacket, then we go to Madrid, then we go to Berlin, and then we're going to Italy. So what are, are we good, by the way? Cool. So are there, uh, having been through several high-profile films, <laughs> do you enjoy this aspect of it? I mean, is it... Look, it, it yeah, I mean, I enjoy promoting a movie if, it's, if I'm proud of the work, for yeah. sure, and, and uh, this, is, this is definitely the case. As you should be for this one, as yeah. we discussed and, and before, yeah. On behalf of the team, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to go out there and talk about, I mean, what Matt Reeves has done on this, I, I'm, I could talk about that for, forever. I, and I had the pleasure, he was, uh, in, in the infancy of this podcast, I've, uh, you know, you, you hit a film and you move on. This is, uh, I did Matt a few weeks ago, I fell uh-huh. in love with this film, and, and when I knew that you were available, I, I wanted to include you as well, especially after seeing this amazing performance. And, and, and the body of work that you've achieved, not only in the last 15 years, but going back prior to, obviously, the performance capture aspect of your career is fascinating. Um, because like when I was looking at the, like the filmography, like you know, any actor's career is unpredictable, but in in a, in a in a town full of unpredictable careers, yours might be the most unpredictable. In that, 15 years ago, literally the technology wasn't was barely there, and now your name has been built very much on something that is still relatively in its infancy. Um, 
I guess the trajectory must just shock you too, doesn't it? It, do, it does. I mean, I was thinking about this, and obviously people have asked me many questions in the, in the, in the last 24 hours here in New York, amongst many other places. But, but I suppose the thing that, that I, I thought about most was the fact that, you know, I'd, I'd started in theatre, I'd, um, you know, I, I'd done, I had a kind of big, healthy theatre career and then started acting in film, British independent movies and, and, and TV shows and so on. And then, of course, the call came for, for Lord of the Rings and I went down and shot Lord of the Rings. And, and as we were creating Gollum, as, as he was being, you know, sort of brought to life, as it were, and performance capture, or motion capture, it was, as it was called at the time, was, was sort of formulating and, and the, 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 the methodology around that was being created for that character. I didn't really think about it. I mean, I was just playing the role. I went down to play a character, and it so happened that this was the particular method of, of you know, playing on set and then going back and repeating it in a mo motion capture volume right. and, and, and acting with Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, which just felt very natural because we were just acting opposite each other, and then it was being filmed on 35mm, and then the animators were... You know, I'd go and talk to the animators individually when they were working on individual shots and, 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 and sort of react bits for them when, when they're... When they're 16 frames that you know when they were trying yeah. to work out what that 16 frames meant and how you know what the trajectory of the character was the arc of the emotional character and and, and that was all going on and and then I thought when Lord of the Rings came to an end and Return of the King I remember doing pickups for Return of the King and it, it, practically the very very last day of me being on on the shoot um, and Peter Jackson asked me to then play Kong right. and it was like. Oh, hold on a minute. This goes on. This is this is not this is not the end of that. You know, right. uh, there the, there is a future in this kind of work. And I suddenly thought to myself, wow. And not only that, it's I'm going from playing an ex-Hobbit, three and a half foot ring junkie, <laughs> schizophrenic, uh, you know, you know, Smeagol Gollum, to a 25 foot gorilla right. who is an isolated, you know, thinking, sentient, you know, being that is living in this life of loneliness. What a, what a great opportunity. And then it suddenly dawned on me that. Well, this means that you can actually play anything. Right. This technology allows you to play anything, and that so that was a real epiphany. That moment was, okay, of course, it's it, it, this is part of a journey, and then it went on, and then it continued to roll. Does it does it change the aspirations of, of an actor? Because you, you mentioned this when we talked last night too about yes, you can li you can literally play anything. You could play. Uh, 12-year-old boy or girl, you could play a, a rock, you could play King Kong. Um, you know, because traditionally, like, actors, like, build to, like, they're going to play Lear one day. They're going to, they're those, those, those roles that you kind of, like, age into. Um, do you have that list? And it must be an expanded list because you can, like, the world is your oyster. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and yet, yet to be designed roles, even. You yeah. know, I and mean, that's the interesting thing for me is, is, is the stuff that's yet to be excavated and, and created that hasn't necessarily been seen before, not necessarily franchises or characters sure. or, you know, characters from books that, have, that, that already exist. Uh, and, and that was really, you know, sort of 14, 15 years later, what the Imaginarium was about, the performance capture studio that we've set up. It's, 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 a, it's a lab. It's for the creation of... It's like taking a lump of digital clay and then bringing in a, a great director or, you know, a great writer and a concept artist and some actors, getting them in the room and kind of going, OK, well, let's, let's make this character. And, and if we were to pull the arm up here, how does that go? Right. And then what does that do? And where does that fit into what the character that you've written is... You know, and, and so on. And so everything informs everything else. And then very quickly, in rapid turnaround, you can have an actor playing that character in a, in a volume and, and bring something to life. And that, that, for me, is really exciting. One of the fascinating things that 
you said in a previous conversation that, that really jumped out to me was you, you said that often it's the film goers, the fans, that kind of st are more savvy about this process than still the industry itself. So f approximately 15 plus years in, what are you finding people, the misunderstandings, the misconceptions still are within the industry about performance capture? I mean, there are f a few visual effects companies like Weta who have been through this experience time and time again, who have built up a pipeline that fully understand what, a, what an authored performance on, on set is giving to them that they can then extrapolate and, and with great artistry with the animators take those performances and emulate those performances and, and, and remain, remain that they are honouring that performance without bending it out of shape right. in any way. Very few people can do that. Or, or, or actually understand that that is the point, actually. You know, Not to still, modify or change your points, but to yeah, it's, it's just like it. you, you, you go all out to make that performance work on set between the actors, because that's it. That is the performance. And then, uh, the, the, I mean, that, that's, there's a big difference between that and, okay, we'll get someone in a motion capture suit to come in and, and, and be referenced so that the animators can then author the character right. later on. That is a completely different way of working. It's not to say it's any less relevant. It's just not the, the, this way that we have, that, that uh, the work I've done with Weta over many, many years has been geared towards. Could, um, could Weta conceivably save a bad performance? Could they modify change and... Help someone that's. I don't think they can. No, I mean, yeah. if you get a bad performance off an actor, that's never going to. No matter, no matter too, what yeah. you can, no matter what you put into that, it's going to bend the character out of shape. It will be. It won't be the performance. Right. You know. So, so that's why it's critical, and and so it sharpens the directors on set to actually achieve that. Because of course, right. you know, remembering, for instance, Matt Reeves in this film will will go, you know, he'll spend a lot of time blocking out the scenes with, with, with the actors, whether they be live action actors like Gary Oldman or Kerry Russell or Jason Clarke in this instance and, and, and myself or Terry Notary or uh, Toby Kebbell and all, all of the ape actors in this case. Um, it will take ages to block it out and work out the nuances of the scene and, and, and play it through and rehearse it and, you know, and then we'll shoot it and then we will tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak until he gets that performance that he wants. So you don't want to do all that work, put all that work into the creation of a scene whilst you're burning thousands of dollars you know, you know, with a film crew standing there. Sure. Um, if you're then going to go, okay, well, we're going yeah, to start over and do yeah, something. Let's just do something completely different. I mean, that's right. not the point. So. Right. It's it's that, that that's what I mean about the authorship on stage. You know? Totally. So so going back a ways, we alluded a little bit to the the beginnings of this aspect of your career. I mean, did you have a sense when you got that part as Gollum and working with Peter that this could change things in as significant a way as it ended up uh, happening? Well, as I say, I, I just thought that that character was this fantastic anomaly. You know, yeah. that this was an amazing experience, and um, and off I'd go. And um, I mean. I, I, I'd always hoped that that, that I would work with Peter again, and sort of said, "Wow, you know, I could." I loved working in New Zealand so much on on that trilogy, that first trilogy, and 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 was prepared to go down there and spend years, more years down there, right. uh, working with those people because it's such a creative atmosphere and a, and an atmosphere born out of you know common, you know, co sort of the. Co Finding a solution through right. through everyone's contribution, and that I find really interesting. You mentioned that that kind of like big epiphany moment coming out of War of the Rings, where he he, he brought Kong, Kong to you, which is just an amazing prospect. Um, was there was there a moment of hesitation where where this could pigeonhole me in a way? Because you ha you have become this representative of this new art form, this new way of acting, um, was there hesitancy that this is going to limit me in any way? I mean, you talk about the ways it expands a career, but 
can it be limiting in any way? Not really, because I still go back and play live action roles and have done since. And actually, I've had my greatest successes with live action roles since. Right. Uh, since all you know, in you know, in between those things. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've, had, I've I've played a variety of really incredible live action roles, from Albert Einstein to Ian Brady to yeah. you know Ian Jury, for instance, and you know things that I've really cared about and 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 worked equally as hard on um, to de to de to define those characters. So so it's not stopped me from doing anything. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Apes because you know I, I adore this movie as many do. Um, the uh, one of the fascinating things in the film. Uh, that Matt has constructed, it, it literally it begins on your face. It begins on Caesar's face. And, it, and without revealing too much, it also closes on, on that face. Um, was that always the intent? What, what's the, what was the discussion around that? Um, and I know you've said before, your, your wife definitely, when she sees Caesar, she sees you. <laughs> you see you too in that opening shot, definitely? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I do. I know every single, as does Weta, every single inch of my face and, uh, and, and the, the expressions that that I am capable of pulling, or, or, or thinking and feeling, which yeah. then come through facial expression. Um, but I think what Matt wanted to do was was he he was very enamoured with what Rupert Wyatt had created on on Rise, and 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 particularly the sort of the emotionality of of Caesar and that character, and, and that's why he wanted to make this movie a, a Caesar centric movie. Right. Um, you know the emotional journey seen through the eyes, really, of Caesar. So it makes it made total sense to to open on this. Eight, ten years later, who is now leading a community, who is still trying to create the boundaries and the laws and the and the structure of that community, um, knowing that the humanity has all but sort of faded away, um, and then and then you know and then this terrible moment of, of um, you know this inciting incident where they come into the territory and a, an, an act of violence spawns a potential escalation of conflict. Um, yeah. Of course, Caesar, you know, Caesar, Caesar is. Conflicted because he 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 is not he is humanity's been a huge part of his life, and and it's it's you know it's all it's that which he has to wrangle with as well as well as keep control of the apes, um, but listen to them. I mean, he's a very empathetic character, yeah. Caesar. Um, do you see this as some people have, have, and this is I think flattering to be in the same company, but have called this kind of the Empire Strikes Back of this series? We don't know if it's going to end up being a trilogy or who knows how long it could go on. But do you see parallels? Do you, do you see where people are? What people are talking about there? I kind of. Although I think I mean this is in yeah. I mean I see what, I see what's uh, I see what's being said. Yeah. Um, but I think that's because it's gone. It's sort of opened up, and it's become right. a much more of a kind of mythic and kind of epic canvas. And you know, when you think about Rise, it was it was quite a domestic film in many ways. It was shot, right. you know, it was shot. The first act was pretty much inside Will James Franco's character's house, um, and, the, and the relationship of Caesar as a chimpanzee, and then and then the middle section was the the ape sanctuary, and uh, you know, or well, the laboratories, and then and then the ape sanctuary again, quite quite domestic in many ways. It was Caesar finding his ape. Right. Um, and, and coming together with them, and, and then you know, yeah, it breaks out a bit in the third movie. But this is straight off the bat a, an epic movie, absolutely, and, and opens up and 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 open, and also it kind of sees. Well, I, I think it. What, what's I think this movie's strength is that it, it is not a biased movie. Is that although it's emotionally centered around Caesar, it also doesn't deny the other characters in the movie their right. their moment their moments of uh, you know three dimensional characterization, and and every single character is you know has a payoff or, or is followed through, and and you you believe their plight. It also ends in in a climactic. Um, uh, uh, 
battle that um, that that is personal and, and and works thanks to both your performance and Toby Kebbell, who is just amazing yeah. uh, as Koba. Yeah. Um, and because there there are emotional stakes, there is this you know bylaw or law that has been created about ape not killing ape, etc. Um, what are your remembrances of shooting what must have been a very physically arduous sequence at the end? I'm yeah, um, I mean it was. Toby's performance is outstanding in this. I mean, it's a real breakthrough role. Yeah. It, it, it's very powerful, and you know, he is a, it plays a very tortured character. Um, Cobra is the uh, obviously the ape who was spent most of his life in inside a laboratory, and unlike Caesar, hadn't been hadn't grown up with any love whatsoever. He'd right. only seen you know a, a, a tiny little cage as his home, and 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 was o operated on, experimented on, and and bears the scars, emotional and physical scars of of that. Life, um, so his worldview is entirely different to to that of Caesar's, and Toby totally embodied that. And so when it when it came to the moments of of of, uh, of conflict between Caesar and and Cobra, he was not going to hold back, and and, uh, and 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 also the kind of the brewing up of Caesar trying to keep everything under control. Um, was was you know also also beginning to rise to the surface for me. So when we kind of do come at each other, it's it was pretty brutal. Do you, I mean. Having done this now, this uh, the performance capture for many years, do you you must be able to let go of any, for lack of a better term, embarrassment of being in that suit and on set because you have to go forward 150 percent. In the in the early days, was there any period of of being self conscious about how you looked? Not really, to be honest, no. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know, it's just what it's one like of the many things just, that yeah. you have to do as an actor is you know lose yourself in the character, and and whether that means you don't have a costume, you lose yourself in the in, in the emotional aspects of the character or the physicality. It's it's. I mean, it, in many ways, for all of the characters I played, you know, I wouldn't want to have done it in anything else because they're such physical roles, and you want to be able to use your body. Right. To it. So 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 no. I mean, it's the perfect suit for the job. What are what are what are the first things that you tell? To an actor that is trying this uh, performance capture for the first time, um, I think I think the, the important thing is to remember is that it's not just about doing a lot of movement. That you're not trying to animate. You're not being an animator. Your job is not to be an animator where you're choreogra choreographing yourself. You know, you just have to be in the moment and Absolutely. and have the physicality of the of the character in the same way that you would if you were playing a live action role. And that stillness is actually even more important because performance capture really. Essentializes what you're doing as an actor, yeah. it, you know, and anything extraneous really is picked up. So, so you have to you have to, to learn a great, uh, you know, a, sen a sense of you know in, in internalization, which perhaps you're more aware of. I think. And I can't think of a better example than Caesar, frankly. I mean, there is a stillness, there's a, a again a regalness, a, um, a thoughtfulness to every movement. It seems he's mm -hmm. not. He's a uh, he's someone with the weight of the world on his shoulders, and you kind of feel that in the way he carries himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what were you? Uh, who were you looking to for inspiration? Do, is it helpful to model um, Caesar's uh, character on someone else's this, this go around? This go around, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I was looking at world leaders and and the, and, and seeing the tra you know the, the the transformation from when they first get elected through to, <laughs> to you know four years later right. and, and the wear and tear it takes on them and you know um, I, I, you know I was very inspired by by Nelson Mandela in terms of his sort of philosophically where he's coming from in terms of uh, in terms of leadership and. Um, you know, Abraham Lincoln is is, is also an example. Um, yeah. But uh, so I think alongside plotting Caesar's 
evolutionary stages. I was, yeah, very much, very mindful of, of, you know, this is about leadership, and being a good or bad leader is about having open ears and about about being empathetic, and and yet that can also be interpreted as weakness, and that's right. a, that's a dangerous position for someone like Cobra to step into into a, into what he would perceive as a vacuum, and and. You know, and, and yet the, it's it's the harder battle. It's the harder, longer battle right. to actually, if you're trying to achieve a peaceful solution, to 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 keep talking. Have you and Matt talked about the next iteration of this? Matt signed on to do the next one, and, and um, presumably there will be a next one. Uh, uh, should the audiences respond as as critics are? Um, have you thought about sort of where you want to see Caesar next go around? I mean, we, you know, per personally, I'd like to see Caesar on a beach in the Seychelles, <laughs> drink, drink, drinking cocktails, <laughs> and uh, you know, being served canapes by human. No, uh, you know, no, I, uh, I, I, I am. Um, we, we, I mean, Matt is exhausted. <laughs> he is so tired. Oh, he I know. He literally, yeah. When I saw him, he was still working on it, and it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it really, you know, literally had to be pu pulled from his. <laughs> From his hands, and uh, you know, so he he is not in a state to be. He needs he needs a little time off, and then I mean, he's obviously got ideas percolating around there. And uh, again, I think I think going back to what I was saying earlier, what he has loved is is this the evolution of it, and and not to feel like you necessarily have to rush too far forward in, in into yeah. into the future, because you know, there's there's a few thousand years before we end up back at. Back at uh, back at the original planet of the Apes. It must be a, a badge of honor that you, you wear proudly that you have uh, in this career now. Uh, you know, a half dozen at least roles that are truly you know have you know they're iconic. I mean, they're whether they were iconic before you tackled them or, or now afterwards. I mean, I can only imagine. Like how many how many voicemails have you left as Gollum for people? <laughs> how many answering machine messages? I cannot I even count. <laughs> I cannot even count. Do you have a standard? Do you do you say you know what? I, I don't do requests at this point. Is it? Mm. Is it? I mean, because I, I feel badly for you because I, I know it must just like your heart must sink a little bit because it's one character in a, a career of many great characters. I mean, you know, I, look, I, I'm, I'm happy. To, I am happy to do it for people because it gives them play. It does give them pleasure, right. and that's fine. You know, and it's cool. I mean, you know, there may be one day where I suddenly kind of go, <gasps> no, you know, no, that was the last you know? one. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I remember. I mean, I do. It's interesting because when we went back to to, to shoot the Hobbit, um, and, and and I was reprising Gollum, you know, sort of ten years later on. That was a very bizarre situation because because I really genuinely felt I was doing an impersonation of something that I had done ten years ago, and because so many people had asked, you hear me the parodies also from other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's been absorbed into the public consciousness yeah. so much. I was like, I need to get hold of this character again. I need to own this again, and that was hard. Um, Fortunately, Martin Freeman, uh, opposite, acting opposite him, uh, you know, on day one, it sort of came back. But, but uh, he, he was so brilliant. He was, he, he was trying to find, he was trying to find Bilbo for the sure. first time because that was the first thing that was shot on the Hobbit. Right. It was literally the day one of the shoot was was, was the Riddles in the Dark passage, and and uh, he he was he was trying to find Bilbo, and I was trying to refine Gollum, not through several thousand answer phone messages. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? I mean, you probably know Peter uh, better th than most. Do you think uh, this is truly the end of his flirtation or more flirtation? His uh, um, you know, interpretation of these these uh, these stories. I mean, the appendices. Everybody talks about like, will he go to these next? Do you think? Oh, you don't know about the Silmarillion. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Greenwood? Do we know? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, you know, Pete Pete's capable of anything. Well, uh, what's your gut say? I mean, no, I think I think I think I I, I think one can safely assume that uh, that that. Um, Pete's Middle Earth is probably drawing to a bit of a close, sadly, yeah. um, and and wonderfully as well because it means it'll offer up you know a great big 
space for him to do all the other things that he wants to do, of which there are yeah. many, many. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, when we heard that he was, uh, you know, going back to The Hobbit, it was a source of such excitement. But you also do want to see him create original work, and, you know, he obviously is a visionary yeah. unsurpassed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for, for you, I mean, your, your uh, career continues to evolve in fascinating ways uh, in addition to the Imaginarium. I know you're getting into directing. Um, is, is that something that you've been, has been on the list for a while and these opportunities have afforded you now the, the opportunity to, to go there? Very much so. Yeah. I mean, it kind of all, almost goes back to, co to, to college, really, because I studied as a visual artist and, and uh, wanted to be a graphic designer when I went to college and then kind of inadvertently fell into, into theatre because you had to do a part of your degree in the first year had to involve another subject and I hadn't chosen anything. So the theatre studies course was like, oh, well, I can do that, <laughs> I can do that. So I was designing sets and, right. and you know, props and things like that and building stuff and, um, and then started acting and then got into it. And then after my first year, I played this one role in a play and decided I want to become an actor. Um, so, so the directing, you know, uh, making short films started way back and... Um, Alongside, you know, painting. I was, I was painting. I went through a phase of painting actually in my twenties, and I thought, actually, I want to. I'm never going to share these paintings with them. And I, I want to make film, and then and then started d d making short films, and then got involved in directing cinematics for video games, and then d directed some theatre, and then and then of course Peter asked me to direct the second unit on the Hobbit, and right. that really. And I'd been building up to shooting a, an independent movie actually before then, and and then. Uh, and then Pete asked me to, to do that, and it was like this really wasn't supposed to be the first thing I was going to do right. as a director. <laughs> that must help the directing reel to point at some stuff from The Hobbit. Just a little bit, <laughs> and just the experience of working yeah. with an amazing crew and you know huge, you know massive crew and and shooting at forty eight frames a second, three D on on a, a monster production like that um, with, with, for two hundred days. You know, it was just like it was like so the Jungle like, Book will be a cinch. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> I think not. Um, um, no, it's, uh, I'm very excited about Jungle Book. It really yeah. is, it is an amazing project and a great script, and that's, that's kind of why I'm so excited by it. It's a really great script. Without dating you or I too much, I did the math. You were, I think, about 13 or 14 when Star Wars came out. That must have been, this must be amazing for you that you were, get to be a part of yeah, this I mean, universe. Yeah, I mean... I mean, was it was it a big thing when you were? A teenager, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was of course. I mean, it was huge. It was, um, and 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 little did I know. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't quite. When I was sitting in that room when we did our read through, it was an, quite an extraordinary feeling. Thinking, wow, and, and particularly, actually, I have to say, my brother, who's five years younger than me, this means more to him than, than anything I've ever done in my entire <laughs> life, and uh, I'm sort of more more joyous for him than <laughs> myself in a way. Um, Had you read the script before you did that read through? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Very, very, yeah. I know. It was, it was great. It was so great. was it? I know, I, I'm not expecting you to reveal anything specific, but I'm just curious. I mean, like literally hearing like Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford do these characters for the first time in over 30 years, that's got to be insane. Just to even sit in that room. It was. Did it come to them rather naturally? Did it feel like the presence of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo were alive and well? Absolutely, and that's all I'm saying. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Before I get enticed into saying anything. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, as I understand it, you, your work hasn't yet exactly no, begun in terms no, of no, the performance. No, 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 that's right. Yeah. And is, is, is it one character, or are you playing multiple in that one? 
Can't say. No worries. No worries. Okay. Um, another topic you can't say too much about, but I know you can be a little bit more forthcoming, is, is Avengers, too, right. which we're very excited about, too. Yeah. Um, is, is Ruffalo also kind of a natural? Is he someone that's going all in in terms of... He loves it. I mean, he, he so grasped this and, and run with it and, and wanted to do it. And, you know, he's a real physical actor, uh, really, really just instinctively knows it. And, and, and this time we, we were able to, you know, as consultants working with him on Avengers, able to give him a platform to really deliver to, right. to the whole, to the best that he can do. And, and that's, again, part of the education process that I was talking about earlier is... is uh, certain crews who haven't experienced that before kind of find it a bit funny that someone's coming in not in costume you know imagine you're standing there and you've got someone dressed as Iron Man you've got someone dressed as as, as Thor you right. got, you know and then you come on in a, in a, a motion <laughs> capture suit it, it, you, you, you have to be taken seriously and so it's the performance capture consultancy side of things that the Imaginarium does is is enable that to happen and, right. give, and give the actor the tools to and Mark just grabbed it and you know he now has real stature and, and strength and power and, uh, as the Hulk um, you know, which took a little bit of time working with the digital avatar right. uh, in, our, in our studio and then giving him a, 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 a voice, literally giving the Hulk a voice through these huge speakers. And, um, and as I understand, the technology to the point, too, where he can now look at playback and literally see the Hulk exactly. on playback, essentially. Exactly. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So w when, you, when you came on board for that one, was it simply in that consulting role, or did, did, like, did the part that came with it evolve or was that part of the parcel of, of you coming on again I can't do, talk too much about the part but uh, but it, but it, we were first of all involved as consultants and, right. and uh, you know did involve performance capture and then and then uh, and then I got a great call saying you know we'd love you to play this role so amazing yeah. So um, the task at hand for, for Jungle Book, I know, I mean, Favreau has a much different kind of a take. It's based more on, I guess, the Disney mm -hmm. kind of version, right? Has that affected or, or sped up or slowed down the process of your own? No, I mean, they're, they're really two entirely different yeah. beasts. And, and um, you know, I, 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 there, there's definitely room for both movies, without, yeah. without a doubt, because they're, they're, they just operate in different spheres, you know. Um, ours is very, very close to, to the feel and tone of Rudyard Kipling's original book, which right. is, which is meant for an older audience. So it's it's more of a, it's more an apes audience actually, sort of slightly mm. more, or, or, or yeah, it's it's a much a darker take and a great great script written by Callie Clovis, who is Steve Clovis's daughter, who obviously wrote all the Harry Potter. Sure, and he's sure. producing on it, and uh, it's I mean it's yeah, it's great. I'm curious. Really I mean, like considering um, how he used uh, performance capture so well, uh, has, have you had any conversation with James Cameron about anything, just in terms of even consulting, talking, just as colleagues or anything? No, I mean, I, I've you know spent many occasions with, with with James Cameron, sort of socially and, and, and dinners and film sort of events and so on. Um, and in fact, early on in the Avatar process, I went in and talked to them about 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 the characters and. and mm. Uh, you know, uh, talked a little bit with them, uh, but it, but no, I mean, I, I guess you know that 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 whole world has sort of created some great performances. Amazing, I, mean, yeah. I mean, like Zoe Saldana's performance is extraordinary in that film, um, and I'm very excited to see what's what's coming up next. Yeah, I think we have at least two or three more. Apparently, uh, I um, think so. Amazing. Um, I always end this with uh, I have this sketchy looking uh, Indiana Jones fedora that's filled with random questions. Are you, <laughs> are you game, Mr. Circus? Go on. <laughs> All right, so it's uh, up to you to. I'm putting your own fate in your hands. So, oh, so grab one or two and okay. Uh, okay. let's see what fate has in store for you. Okay. The good ones have been written by me, the bad ones. <laughs> okay. What do we got? French fries or onion rings? <laughs> the 
most provocative question of the interview, obviously. <laughs> is this is, is this a question? As, 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 is the question which do I prefer? Yeah, or, I think so. Or which does God it's not a prefer? metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> you can which take it. Out, Caesar prefers. You can take it however you wish. Well, Caesar prefers onion rings, and Gollum prefers French fries. <laughs> <laughs> Just you have to make some differentiation between the characters. Absolutely. Yeah. And what does Andy prefer? Uh, I'd probably go with the French fry. <laughs> okay, I'm not offering. Just so you know, we don't have a, a cook in Outback. I'll try to, uh, yeah, try a few more. <laughs> Hopefully, they're as substantial as that one. Right. James Lipton doesn't ask this. <laughs> Favorite cartoon character? Okay, wow. Um, I really like the central character in Up. Heartbreaking uh, film, beautiful film. Yeah, I wish I could remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, I think. Carl. Right? Is the most amazing, one of the most amazingly touching films I've ever seen, Absolutely. let alone animation. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I adore that. Film. If you don't cry during that that sequence towards oh. the beginning of the film of that relationship, yeah. you have no soul. It's the greatest piece of storytelling. It really is. I, I adore that. Amazing. Yeah. Um, let's keep going, shall we? You're making a mess, Andy. Come on. Okay. I have to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> Karaoke. Question mark. That's not. I'm not inviting you, but I'm curious. How, uh, are you, you, do you want me to sing a karaoke song as Gollum? Yeah. Surely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making you, but if the, if you are so inspired. And <laughs> Next. <laughs> Did you guys ever go at karaoke even during a shooting? No, not I thought that we'd be a fun bunch for the karaoke. <laughs> I wish I could change this about my body. Well, actually, thanks to performance capture, I, I get to do it all the time. So, <laughs> so you know, if you're having a day, you want to lose five, regain five come pounds. On. Yeah, pretty easy. It's the future. <laughs> is it easier to, um, like, is it a greater challenge to play something that is like, uh, like a Kong that is obviously, you know, five times, ten times your size than Caesar, who's approximately at least your size? Is, is it easier or harder? Yeah. Um, no, it's a lot more technically difficult putting off. Uh, um, Kong because you know because of the scale thing and because uh, in fact what we had to do is we had to build platforms which were knee height so that my fists uh, or, or, or Kong's knuckles could rest on on on, on those if you manage if you imagine a sort of run of benches which are kind of knee height yeah. my, my feet would make contact with the floor so you get the real physics of me hitting the floor but it, but there was we shortened Kong's legs te you know in the in the puppet right to come to where my knees were basically so Amazing. so it was a very yeah that was a very complex so you didn't situation. consider gaining like 300 pounds and having your body stretched out for the I, role I, 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 I didn't put on any weight because we. I wore a bunch of weight. I mean, I wore a ton of weight. <laughs> yeah, if anything, you want to be as, yeah. as mean as possible, I would yeah, think. Yeah. All right, let's finish with one or two more. I promise to let you go, though. Okay. Here we go. Favorite book? Oh, okay. Okay, uh, my favorite book is. Wow. Um, that's hard. Uh, I really like. Um, God, this is so difficult. I, I actually really like Patrick Suskin's book Perfume. I think that's an incredible oh, book, and I've, I've, I've actually directed a play of his called The Double Bass, and I've always wanted to direct uh, Patrick Suskin's Perfume as a as a stage piece, oh, fascinating. Like, a, like as a piece of site specific theatre. Huh. I think it would be pretty incredible. Are you getting that itch to go back to the theatre? Has it been a while? It has. It's been twelve years since I've been on stage, and I, I occasionally really, really think, oh, I've got to do it. You know? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, that's that's yeah. I love that book. A long to-do list. Okay. What movie do you know by heart? Um, I, I'm, you know, a big Apocalypse Now fan. 
That's pretty dark. It's pretty dark, but I do, <laughs> I do love it. I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say I know it by heart. I don't know any movie by heart because my memory is shocking. But, um, but, I, but I, you know, I can visualize it. Right. I was gonna. Vision. I was gonna ask you to do Brando towards the end. One of his. Yeah, one of, one of his I, I ate a bug. I mean, I can't, and that's the other thing. I'm not very good at coming up with quotes. I, I just. I, it's like it's like lines. When I'm learning lines for for a part I'm playing, right. I, I immediately forget them as soon as they, right? they. As soon as I don't need them anymore. So so I'm I, I'm always full of admiration for people who can remember quotes and things like that. And I and I'm not that person. But thanks to devoted fans, they are they're repeated back to you. You must find that to be the case sometimes, where you there's some lines you don't even recognize at first, and you're oh I said that okay yeah I'll take your word right. for it no that's right yeah they kind of go yeah and I'll go what are you talking about <laughs> which one was that again was I good in it <laughs> I trust that I was but no I do I do that film uh, I saw in Paris in 1979 I think it came out in in, in 70 millimeter in, 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 a, in a cinema in Paris and I was like this is this is filmmaking Cobra is, is and was and always will be a genius. Oh. Fascinating. Uh, let's end there. Uh, just, uh, it's, it's, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you these last couple of days. We did an event last night, and, I, and I'm thrilled to get a chance to talk to you at length again today about a, a, a truly one of the best performances of the year, and I know, and I hope that we're going to be talking about it um, long into award season. We'll see. Thank you. Good to see you. That's great, Josh. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Cheers. Appreciate it.